It's always good to talk football, and it's certainly always good to talk football with our next guest. The Bills make me wanna He's covering the Buffalo Bills in the National Football League on the digital pages of nyup.com and syracuse.com. AFC East got a little Richter scale movement last night when uh, Bill Belichick uh, brought in Cam Newton. And let's put it this way as Matt Perino joins us here. Matt, the Patriots got Cam Newton essentially for the same price as the fine they were issued for taping the sideline of the Browns-Bengals game. So just brilliant Belichick move all around, it seems. I mean, yeah. I mean, who was sitting? I think we talked a couple months ago about where the Patriots were kind of sitting or standing pat at quarterback. And I don't think anybody really, unless you were kind of lying to yourself, thought that they were going to go into the season with just Jared Stidham and and, and Brian Hoyer. So the the move makes a ton of sense. But, you know, it's funny. You play that little shout jingle every time uh, I come on the show. And I think subconsciously that just must have been in my uh, mind over the last two years. That's that's coincidentally the name of our new Syracuse.com New York Upstate Bills podcast. Shout. That's my Buffalo right football there. podcast. That's how you get the plug in there. That's see, you're getting good at this game. I like that. You're slipping in there, my man. Fantastic. That's a terrific name for a Bills podcast, by the way. I'm surprised it has not been taken. Good on you for that. I know, I know. So wow. Of course, Belichick pulls this off, but Matt, as you mentioned, look, nobody was really believing Jarrett Stidham, the all-Auburn connection now in the Patriots quarterback staff with Cam Newton joining him. Nobody believed that he or Brian Hoyer was the guy. Now, that being said, there is a giant if that comes with Cam Newton, and that is if he's healthy. Exactly, and I think that you know, you take the health factor, you know, he's coming off of a, a missed season. He played two games that suffered the Liz Frank injury uh, in his foot, lower leg area last year, actually in the Bills game, in the preseason game. And he ended up sitting out the rest of the preseason and playing two games, then he missed the rest of the year. Before that, I mean, the big question has always been, uh, since I think it was told Cam Newton's going to fit into this, this offense for the Patriots. And they're using a lot of the film from 17 and 18 when he still was a real viable threat as a runner. And I'm not saying that he won't be or he can't be. I just think that the, you know, conventional wisdom suggests that he's not going to be as effective in that area. Now, he's still a great passer. You go back to some of his his seasons and, you know, I think it was 2018 his last full year, he, he completed almost 68% of his passes and 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 Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, was often compared to to Cam Newton. Can you just imagine if he was able to put up 67% completion percentage in the season. So, I mean, there, there is a skill set there. I just, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about a few factors here. Number one, how quickly is he going to be able to pick up this offense? How is he going to deal with the lack or perceived lack of weapons there? And how are the personalities going to mesh? I mean, Cam Newton, don't get me wrong. He is a workhorse. I mean, he wants to get in the building. He wants to work hard. He wants to win games. And I think Bill, Bill Belichick, We'll love that about him. But he's also a guy that saunters around the practice facility. I saw it out in Spartansburg last year on his own personal golf cart. Kind of has his whole little vibe. We saw the video interaction with Captain Munnerlyn and Ed Oliver that went viral on Twitter last year. You know, there's a certain element that you're bringing into your locker room when you're bringing in Cam Newton. He, he's, he likes to have fun. And, and that's the exact reason Tom Brady left New England is because he wanted to start having some fun. So I'm interested to see how that dynamic plays out. I am too. And picking up the offense thing, I think that's where Belichick 
has an advantage. I think that's where Cam has an advantage. Is you, as you well know, Matt Belichick will conform his team to what talent he has in front of him. He has a system. He has a way at work with Brady for so long. But I just imagine, you know, Belichick getting to use Cam Newton. And as you said, he's he's nowhere near his 2017, 2018 form. You're using him as Cam Newton, 31 years old now. But boy, to me, there's more options there than you have with Tom Brady in some ways. There are some weapons there. You have Muhammad Sanu. You have Nikhil Harry. You have, I mean, Edelman's still there, and I think it's useful. And with you can you know kind of implement some of the same things you did with Christian McCaffrey. I know he's not Christian McCaffrey, but to me, there's opportunity there. But that's my question: like, how much better did the New England Patriots really get here by adding Cam Newton? It's, there are some that are saying, you know give the division back to the Patriots here, and I'm still looking at it saying, from my very biased point of view, but I'm still looking at it saying, now, I, I feel good about the Bills top to bottom here, that Cam Newton is not the factor that swings it back to New England. Well, I'll say that I think that they're n- no doubt about it better today than they were on Saturday. But I think that that comes with a bunch of question marks. You know, I, I, I went back and, and kind of looked at what Cam was dealing with in 2018 and early last year. In Carolina, and one of his top, you know, receivers in 2018, after Calvin Benjamin had left, it was it was Devin Bunches, and you know the measurables are actually really similar to Nikhil Harry. Now, Harry ran uh, faster; uh, he ran, I think, a four five three, and Bunches at the combine ran a four seven. But everything else is very similar, and Bunches actually ran uh, a five four eight at his pro day. So there was some speed there at some point. And so I'm wondering that didn't really work. That did, they didn't really mesh Devin Funches and, and Cam Newton. So I'm interested to see if he can unlock Nikhil Harry. I think I agree with your point on, on Edelman. He could be a real dangerous weapon for Cam Newton because of what he can do in that short, especially short, but maybe that intermediate game as well. But can, you know, a lot like we're talking about with Cam Newton, can Julian Edelman continue to stay healthy? I felt like, you know, by the end of last year, once he'd been put through the ringer of the season, he was battling week in and week out to get on the field. I remember the Buffalo game, week 16. It was a question all week if he was going to play. And then he got dinged up a couple times in the game. So they have some old pieces. I like their offensive line. They're bringing back the continuity there. They're going to get Andrews back at center. Uh, they still have Isaiah Wynn, who they're developing on the right side of their line, is intact, and they brought back uh, the left guard uh, as well, uh, Joe Tooney. So they, they have some pieces, but all of those pieces in the offensive line, they're going to be operating without Dante Scarnecchia. So, you know, it's funny. Last week, Mike Lombardi, the former NFL GM for the Browns and obviously won some Super Bowls with the Patriots, made news with his, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, harsh, I guess. Some people would call him comments on Josh Allen and you know, basically saying the Bills have a hole at, at quarterback. And I see he come out, he's come out today and said, you know, he thinks that the Patriots now become the biggest, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but become a real threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. Stop. And Stop. I, I like Mike Lombardi. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm a, I listen to his podcast, the GM Shuffle, I, but I think he gets himself caught into these, these narratives. I'm not so sure that he watches Josh Allen as closely as he needs to make the kind of comments that he's made because if he did, he would have noticed significant improvement last year. And we're talking about when Josh Allen came into the league, we're talking about an, a blank canvas that Brian Dable and company and now Ken Dorsey in the mix and Davis Webb and Matt Barkley and all the people that Shea Tierney, the assistant QBs coach, all these people have had a hand in the pot of kind of making Josh Allen into what he's going to become. And nobody in the AFC East 
And not many people other than Patrick Mahomes, maybe Lamar Jackson, the AFC, have more weapons at their disposal now than Josh Allen. So I think to say that Cam Newton, you know, off the couch and, you know, with some, you know, subpar play in recent years at times is going to make New England all of a sudden a Super Bowl contender. They weren't a Super Bowl contender last year with Tom Brady. So I just think that that's faulty thinking. I think this defense for the Patriots is not as good as it was. It's not going to be as good as it was last year. They still have an elite secondary, probably even better than last year because you have a couple guys that are developing in that area. But their linebacking core, they're going to miss Kyle Van Noy. He dialed up the pressure in that Bills game. I remember it. And Jamie Collins was kind of a calming force when they brought him back into the fold. So there's the real questions to me on both sides of the ball for the Patriots where I still am comfortable picking the Bills as I wrote on Sunday at New York Upstate and Syracuse.com. Yeah, Cam Newton 0-8 in his last eight starts, nine touchdowns, ten interceptions, and the injury factor there. Mike Lombardi's got to calm down a little bit as Matt Perino joins us here on the block, ESPN Radio. So Matt, we're usually in that time of year in football, the rare time when they're actually off. They're away from the facility, they're on vacation, those three weeks or so before training camp gears up about a month from now, we're obviously in different times. So where are we in terms of off-season programs, development, what players are doing to get some kind of work in here so when they show up to training camp, they're as sharp as can be? You know, I think that's one of the areas where the Bills are going to be ahead of the, the curve a little bit because of, you know, not only the continuity, but the the, the organized way at which Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and the coaching staff for the Bills to organize things this offseason. So, you know, their virtual uh, offseason program ended, mostly Zoom meetings, um, ended uh, I think a little over a week ago now. There's a lot of guys still in Buffalo, guys that are rehabbing. And actually I had a, a really cool conversation with Cam Lewis, uh, former Buffalo Bulls cornerback uh, who was on the practice squad for them last year. He's going to be competing for a roster spot in camp this year. And he's been in, in, in Buffalo all um, offseason training uh, – rehabbing a hamstring injury is getting geared up for camp. Um, but the Bills have met uh, twice as, as a unit. So the offense met uh, about a month ago in Florida, down in Miami, where Josh Allen basically convened uh, a summit down there with almost the entire Bills offense in terms of their uh, skill players. And then last this last weekend, Josh Norman took the initiative to get a group of players together down in Virginia uh, got as many people as he could get. It was guys like Jordan Poyer was there, um, Dean Marlowe, uh, Tyrell Dotson, a lot of the younger players. But, you know, that's the kind of piece that Josh Norman, I think people are, aren't talking enough about, about what he kind of does in terms of bringing that veteran presence. And, you know, Sean McDermott loves player-driven leadership, guys that can kind of relay his message in the room. And Josh Norman already, without even being in the building in Orchard Park yet, has already kind of left his put his stamp on things from that perspective. So we're about a month away, Brent. We are June 29th, so they're going to be reporting to training camp, whatever it looks like. Um, on the podcast today with Cam Lewis, I had Jared uh, Patterson, uh, UB running back, who is actually a Heisman, did a lot of Heisman buzz. Barry Sanders shouted him out a, a few weeks ago. And uh, you know, we, we were talking to him today because the UB Bulls are kind of like a bunch of uh, you know guinea pigs here. I mean, they're they're, they're getting uh, te- they're testing the waters. They're all back at the facility, kind of going through COVID type measures uh, to work out together. And a lot of these like smaller groups and, and maybe some of these colleges are going to kind of set the stage for what a lot of these NFL training camps look like. Because let's be honest, I mean, no matter what happens, unless there's 
absolute bedlam here and some of these goofy states can't get their, their stuff together like New York has, luckily enough, um, we're going to have football. We're going to have the NFL in 2020. Uh, but it just depends on, you know, we just got to stay the course, do this thing the smart way. And from every conversation I've had with everybody within the Bills organization, they're doing it the right way. Matt, always appreciate your time and your perspective. Keep up the good work. Uh, everybody should download the podcast, Shout, the Buffalo Bills podcast with Matt and Ryan Talbot. And there's a video component to that, too, which you can find. So uh, check all that out. The football world never stops, as we found out last night, and you guys will be all over it. Thank you, sir. Have a great day, my friend. <sighs> Here we go again. Now, one of the great, how can I phrase this properly, one of the unfortunate sacrifices of the coronavirus through all the sports shutdowns we've had is that of minor league baseball. The fact that on a beautiful night like tonight, another great day in central New York, the weather has just been flat out spectacular in the early days of summer. And we're going into the summer. I know everybody's compass is kind of thrown off a little bit by coronavirus and kids weren't in school, but you know, it's 4th of July week coming and you're starting to really get that true sense of summer. One of the best things to do in the summer is go to a minor league baseball game. If that's the Syracuse Mets, if that's the Auburn Double Days, take a road trip. There are so many teams within a three- or four-hour drive of here that a true baseball nut, of course, the Baseball Hall of Fame is a short drive away, is now open. There won't be a Baseball Hall of Fame ceremony this summer, and it would have been an epic one at that, but that's what coronavirus has done. So some of the things that coronavirus took away from sports are starting to come back, including sports themselves, as we went over in the first hour of the show. And I wrote a column about today on Syracuse.com that I would certainly be appreciative if you could give a read. We are about to enter an unprecedented busy time in what is usually one of the slowest times in sports. NBA, NHL, MLB, NFL, college football, MLS, WNBA, WSL, WSL. NWSL, pardon me, PLL, and a lot of other abbreviations I'm leaving out of this conversation. Sports is ramping up. It is coming back. It is getting busy as opposed to the time of the year when things kind of slow down. And one of the beauties of minor league baseball is it is a sport. It is baseball. But the very essence of minor league baseball is that, well, it's about everything but the baseball. It's about the wacky promotions. It's about the warm nights, it's about the fireworks, it's about the giveaways, it's about the crazy food, it's about the experience, about just going and sitting in the stands of the ballpark on a warm summer night and slowing down. Yeah, you look around and there's still people on their phones doing their thing, but there's something about a minor league baseball game that allows you to do what the world tells you so, way too often these days that you can't. That is just slow down and enjoy life a little bit, right? Which brings me to Tim Tebow. Now, I miss the Mets. I miss the fact that there's no baseball. I miss a lot of things about it. What I don't miss is the New York Mets trying to pretend that Tim Tebow is a legitimate baseball prospect. Tim Tebow, may I remind you, finished dead last. And when I mean dead last, I mean... There's the guy who's second to last, and then there's the Grand Canyon, and then there's Tim Tebow in the International League last year. Now, he didn't officially qualify for some of these stats because he didn't have enough at-bats because Tim Tebow got hurt again. 
But his numbers last season, 163, four homers, 19 RBIs, 98 strikeouts in 264 plate appearances, spanning 77 games with the Syracuse Mets. Now, as I mentioned, he didn't have enough at-bats to place among qualifiers, but if he did, his batting average, his slugging percentage, 255, his on-base percentage, 240, and his OPS, 495, all would have placed him at the bottom of the International League by far in each category. And when I mean the bottom, I mean there's the second-to-last guy, there's the Grand Canyon, there's the entire solar system And then there's Tim Tebow, like way down the list. Tim Tebow is a career 223, 299, 338 slash hitter. 18 home runs and 287 games in the minors. I wrote a column about this when the last dance was going on because Michael Jordan, once upon a time, played minor league baseball, didn't really do well at minor league baseball, but there was an interesting clip in the last dance with Terry Francona. Yes, the Cleveland Indians, Boston Red Sox, famous manager, one of the best managers in baseball. He was Michael Jordan's manager with the Birmingham Barons when Jordan did his two-year stint in double-A baseball. And in that documentary, in The Last Dance, Terry Francona will have you know that if Michael Jordan stuck with baseball, remember he only played one season, the 1994 season, which went into the strike in baseball. Had the strike in baseball not happened, Jordan probably would have stuck it out. Jordan was third on his team in RBIs with 51, second in stolen bases, fourth in home runs, seventh in hits, and seventh in runs. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend he was a legitimate Major League Baseball prospect, but you listen to Terry Francona, who said, here's the quote, quote, with 1,500 at-bats, he would have found a way to get into the Major Leagues. That's uh, Jordan's manager, Terry Francona, now with the Cleveland Indians. Tim Tebow is at 1,002 at-bats and counting. Like, he's kind of at that Jordan level. He's missed a lot of games because of injury. So Tim Tebow is fine as a AAA minor league baseball. Let's throw him out there, sell some tickets and some jerseys, as long as we all understand. That's why he's here. But here we are in a coronavirus era where fans are not going to be in the stands. And as long as Brody Van Wagenen and the New York Mets admit they're doing this as a publicity stunt, put it out front as we understand the attention we will gain from this, the television interest we will gain from this, the jersey sales we will gain from this. In a rare case, if a sports outfit is honest with the marketing angle of it, that I'm actually fine with this. But do not pretend, do not insult my intelligence or anybody else's intelligence that follows baseball or sports for five minutes that this man is a legit Major League prospect because that's just simply false. That is a farce is what it is. And the reason I bring this up, kind of burying the lead here, sorry about that, Anthony DeComo covers the New York Mets for MLB.com is reporting, here it is, from Twitter, to follow up from yesterday, Tebow is still in consideration for one of the 10 unused spots in the Mets 60-man player pool. I can't even begin to express what a joke that is. Even in a coronavirus era, even when players are going to go down, and only one member of the Mets organization, a couple minor leaguers have, but only 
one known player, as Anthony reports here. The Mets have had one player on their 40-man roster test positive for COVID-19 since March. He's currently recovering. Even in a situation, in an era, in a time when you got to get creative, when you might have to replace players on the roster because they test positive and can't play, Tim Tebow does not belong on that list. Unless you admit that he is a walking, breathing, talking human promotion. That the only reason you're doing this is because of the glare of the cameras, the jersey sales, and the attention you will get out of it. The only reason Tim Tebow is in the New York Mets organization is because of Brody Van Wagenen, not because Brody Van Wagenen is the general manager, but because Brody Van Wagenen was his agent. So when agent became GM, that's kind of a rigged game there to put somebody in the system and pretend he's a legit you know, minor league baseball let alone Major League Baseball prospect. Now, the fact that Tim Tebow managed to come into a hard sport and even do some of the things that I told you is actually pretty amazing. His numbers at AA were actually on par with some legit prospects for a time. But when you zoom out and look at, are we developing a real baseball player here, or are we developing a walking gimmick The answer could not be more clear. Now, baseball is a sport that lends itself to gimmicks. It lends itself to promotions. It's just usually not with the players on the field itself. Baseball's kind of baseball, right? Not that other prospects, Michael Jordan and others, haven't been given the opportunity to play baseball out of a sheer marketing stunt. Just look at the history of baseball. It's happened. Just stop pretending this guy is Major League material. Stop pretending this is anything other than marketing. Baseball just went through a pretty ugly period of negotiation, of bad PR. Merely returning and getting on the field is not going to be enough for this sport to bring the good feelies back. They're going to need storylines. They're going to need things that create discussion, attention, and all the things that go viral these days. The problem with that is we know you're doing it. So as long as you admit it, or at least toe the line of admitting it, but they continue, smart people that analyze baseball, that follow baseball, that know the sport, they continue to lie through their stinking teeth that this guy is a legit prospect, a legit professional baseball prospect, particularly somebody that you have in your minor league system with the intention of developing as a major league talent. That could not be further from the truth. And all you have to do is look at the numbers, look at the trends, watch them for five minutes. Impressive athlete, impressive dude. I get no pleasure in slamming the guy other than from a baseball perspective. But that's how the Tebow defenders, and there are many, 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 many of them. That's how they come back in this discussion. What he does for charity, hell of a guy, great athlete, everything but he's a great baseball player. If you can make a legitimate base, and there is no sport where you can bend numbers to your argument more than baseball. If you can bring me a legitimate baseball argument for this guy, I'm willing to listen to it. But every argument 
that comes my way or anybody else's way that dares to criticize the great Tim Tebow has everything to do with everything but baseball. So just be straight with, and if you're one of these people that misses seeing Tim Tebow at NBT Bank Stadium, this may surprise you to hear this after I just spent the last 10 minutes trashing the guy, but I'm with you. Because I miss minor league baseball, I miss the Mets, I miss the double days, I miss the opportunity to go to these games, and if that means i got to put up with Tebow pretending to be a baseball player, I'm willing to do that. Right? I'm willing to do that. As long as we're all honest here, why the guy's here? Okay, I want my ice cream in my batting helmet, and if that means i got to watch Tebow pretend to be a baseball player to do it, that's a fair trade-off to me. If Tebow was out there playing, that would mean we have baseball. That would mean that sports is, and I mentioned some of the things that are coming back, but unfortunately AAA baseball and minor league baseball were one of the things that just couldn't happen because of this. And even if they do, is it going to be worth it for them to play 30 games? in a sport that is entirely dependent on attendance and people going to the ballpark? So to see that, the Mets are considering putting him on the roster, and still considering, but just the fact that they continue to float this out there, they're going to ride this gravy train as long as they can. Look, if I work for the New York Mets or the Syracuse Mets, I'd do the same thing. (laughs) I would. I mean, I'm... I, 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 if I was in their position, I couldn't be in a position I'm in now being critical of it. But I'm in this position, not that one. And the position I take is it's a joke. Stop it.